Welcome to Breaking Free. I'm Rania Kurdi, a transformational life coach, comedian, and mother of two. And you can join me weekly to hear some intimate self-reflections and conversations with inspirational friends and guests from all around the world, sharing what they needed to break free from in order to live a life of purpose. My guest on Breaking Free today is Amal Al-Agroubi. She's a writer-director from the United Arab Emirates, and she started off documentary filmmaking, directing Arab-centric stories about identity and social injustices, and then moved into genre filmmaking and writing for television. But what interests me, Amal, thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. is that you are a neuroscientist turned filmmaker. Tell us a little bit about that. How did that happen? Basically, you know, I'm Arab from an Arab society. And as Arab society goes, you know, every parent wants their child to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer, or something to that effect. And I always loved theater at school. I did theater ever since I was a kid. Um, I loved cinema. We used to go to the cinema every week as a family. And um, I just wanted to be an actress. That was, my, uh, that was my number one thing. And of course, that wasn't in the book. So come age 17, and my parents say, what do you want to study? And I say, well, I want to, you know, I want to be an actress. And I get a big flop across the face. And I'm like, all right, then wow. maybe I'll reconsider then. Um, and um, I went into the thing that I was best at, which was biology. I'm, I'm good at memorizing. I find it very easy and kind of coherent to, to um, uh, understand. There, there wasn't too much calculation in it. Um, not math because I was rubbish at math. I don't know how that happened. My mom is a professor of math and physics. So I think I got the wrong gene there. But um, yeah, basically just ended up <laughs> just ended up doing that. I kind of guessed that you were forced to do something other than the thing that you loved. But because it was biomedical sciences, neurosciences, I was like, that's not something mm. you just choose offhand. Like, oh, yeah, I'll do that. You've got to be good at it. You've got to be mm. interested in it. You know, I... I would choose something that's near to, to acting, but not acting. You know, it could be uh, mm. languages, it could be media studies, it could be journalism, whatever. But um, from science to, to that. So how did they feel that three years after you graduated, you were completely ditching the sciences and started producing your first film? It wasn't even three years, it was four, because I had gone on to do a master's uh, eventually. So I did biomed and then I did a master's. And then I started working and it wasn't until my second year of work that I decided to leave. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was, I guess, difficult for them. It was like, they, they went from calling me, you know, doctor, which in, you know, in the Arab world, they give the name doctor to anyone kind of in the sciences, in the sciences. Yeah. And there's great pride with that, isn't there? Exactly. You know, pride, position, money, uh, power. I mean, I had risen quite quickly. So I went from working in a lab to being promoted to sort of um, the, the medical, the medical department with the, um, oh my gosh, I've even, I've lost all the lingo, but the medical <laughs> director of the hospital, yeah. and then eventually spent like a bit of time with him. And then he just said to me, listen, we want to set up one of the first stroke programs in this country, and we want you to, to helmet. And I was like, wait, hang on. I was like, I still play video games and jump around my bed in my pajamas. Are you sure you're asking the right person? And he goes, yeah, 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 I have, you know, I have um, confidence in you and 
I just thought, well, okay. And then that's when I, I, you know, I ended up going to the Harvard University Hospital, which is the Mass General Hospital. And I was part of a observership program where you basically observe their stroke program. And then I brought it back to the UAE and I replicated the same program we had there. So of course, um, because of that, we ended up getting something called JCIA accreditation. Was It's a sort of global hospital accreditation, which was a big honor for the hospital and a big honor for me and, and, and my team. And, um, you know, and then my parents were like, well, you can never leave now, mm. you know, you're well on your way. And I was like, nah, I'd rather be a filmmaker now. Thanks. Bye. So you make that sound like it was easy. How much of a struggle or of a difficult decision was it for you to leave that behind where it seemed like a, 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 mm. a for sure kind of future of success and, and security? to, to yeah. the unknown well very easy for me because you know I'm not that kind of person I, I quickly figured out that money was not a motivator for me in life and actually um I would you know rather you know die a thousand times <laughs> than go <laughs> than go to a nine to five uh, yeah. and have something that's routine in my life because I'm yeah, the kind of person yeah, I'm just, you know, I love adventure. I love people. I love discovering. I love exploring. I don't like sitting at a desk for hours. Um, and I saw what all my colleagues were doing. And for them, I was like, how can you live that way? You know, how, how, how is it enough for you to get a paycheck at the end of the month? You know, go, go to the mall, buy your clothes, buy your bags, you know, take your kids wherever. Like, how is that enough for you? That it just wasn't enough for me. So deep inside of me, I knew that that was a choice I wanted to make for myself because I was staying true to myself and who I genuinely was. But I think mentally, emotionally, that was the strain because all the outside influences are there saying, no, 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 no. And, you know, there's something wrong with you. This isn't, this isn't, you know, the way you should be. This isn't the way you should be acting. This isn't what you should want. So there's a lot of battling back and forth um, between you and yourself being like, am I doing the wrong thing? Am I doing the right thing? Um, should I stay true? You know, it comes, it comes down to the, the, to the choice of whether you want to make yourself happy or whether you want to make your family and society happy in the Arab world. There's no other choice. Yeah. It's either or, you know, and then, you know, th those who want to conform, they pick family and society. Those who want to be I won't say be happy, pick themselves. Those who are smart can probably find a medium, but hey, you know, I guess I wasn't that smart, but um, I picked myself and uh, ended up doing what I loved. It's very depressing to, to live a non-authentic life, um, even though it comes with the security and safety and, and family and acceptance. There's still this sort of underlying depression that comes with not being your authentic self but also choosing to do what's what's right for you has some sacrifices I'm sure um, and you know do you feel that they're worth it they're worth it for you to live that authentic life where you're doing what you love is it worth the sacrifices that you've had to make and what sort of sacrifices have I think it's not even a matter of whether it's worth it or not it's like you know if you if you go into self-development and you go into sort of um, you know, basic human needs. It's like the same way you need food, the same way you need air, the same way you need actually sex, because it's a carnal desire. There are some, there are some carnal desires. 
you know, for us in Islam, why is it that during fasting times, we have to be disciplined, we can't um, eat food, we can't drink water, because those are basic mm. tests, and we cannot have sex or do any kind of sexual acts, because God recognizes that those are basic human needs. Well, in the same way, it is a basic human need to have one's own self of identity, you know? And I think so, so saying, well, is it worth it? It's not like, hey, I'm buying a bag at the supermarket. Is it worth it? No, it's like, this is, in, this is an integral part of who I am. So absolutely, you know, you can't betray yourself. You can't, you have to stay true to yourself. So if, you know, I, I was born, you know, came out of my, my mama's womb. Um, I, I'm curious. I love adventure. I uh, love people. I grew up and was raised, you know, mostly in Belgium. I left Belgium when I was 12. So I was used to being in a very international class with me- with boys and girls. Uh, I was used to having those kind of friends. And then suddenly, you know, I'm back in the UAE, I'm back in the workplace. And I had so twofold. It's like, a betrayal of who I was as a person, because suddenly, you know, after work, I would go, um, I would go do the things I loved, like rock climbing, or trampolining, or, um, you know, jet skiing. And suddenly, those were all boy sports, like, why are you doing boy sports? It's probably because you're trying to attract the boys. It's probably because you want to get with the boys. So society gave me this thing of like, no, as a woman, you should be going to the mall. Of course, things have changed now, but you should be going to the mall. You should, uh, you should be, you know, staying with the ladies, you know, going to sort of lunch and dinner parties, like that's your place. And then the other thing was sort of, you're not doing what you love. You're not following the career that you want to follow because as a good sort of Arab Muslim woman, you know, it's up to you to, to find a husband like that. You, we, we assigned you that task, like Frodo, we were, we gave you the ring to, to take to Mordor. It's like, you came out and we've assigned you this task to go find a husband. And then not all of us marched to that, the beat of that drum, you know? So it's like, I wasn't in the career I was supposed to be, I wasn't doing what I was supposed to, to do by sticking to that career, by making money, by having all that stability. I wasn't, living the life I wanted to live. Um, like there was just so much that was kind of outside of what society expects. So by choosing myself and by doing the thing I love, which is, you know, cinema, uh, by continuing to engage in those sports, regardless of what people said, uh, what people, what people, yeah, what people were saying. Mm. Um, and, you know, doing the things I loved and, and, and pushing everything and everyone away. Um, I, I lost, I lost a lot. I lost, first of all, you know, reputation wise, people start to talk, uh, the Arab, Arab world as a whole, you know, societies are very insular. People know people. And when something's wrong with you, something's wrong with the whole family. So people start to talk, people start to talk to the family. I had one very conservative, angry cousin call my uncle up and say, you know, how dare she, how dare she, um, how dare she enter the film industry and how dare she use her name, her last name, like Ruby, you know, it's like, that's our name too. And that brings shame upon the whole family, you know, and I, much to my surprise, my uncle defended me, but um, there, there's so many times that people won't get defended, you know? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, it's true. It's true. So, so if you, you know, if you uh, open something shameful, you know, if I, if I open a burlesque house and put my name to it, you know, people will be like, why are you using our, our last name, our family name within that establishment? Mm. 
uh, instead of being like, oh, this is an entrepreneur and they've created something. And, and that's um, unfortunately how it has to be, you know? And then I think the biggest sacrifice for me was when I decided, look, I haven't found, I haven't found a husband. I've, I've marched to the beat of this drum for so long. And now it's, you know, I kind of sat with myself and I said, okay, you know, ML, it's, it's time to decide what you want to do with your life now. And um, I, I gave living here a good go. I, I gave the career a good go. I'm now well on my way to doing cinema. This is what I want. This is what I prefer. This is what I love. And I don't want to be a big fish in a small pond. Again, I couldn't live my life like that. Just, you know, um, yeah. You know, it's great, but, you know, suddenly I'm going to the Bay Film Festival. You know, everyone knows me. Everyone knows my work. You, you get deals. You get this. You get put in the papers. You get put in the magazines, which is great. This is all wonderful. But the rest of my life is not going to be spent in the UAE because the world is my oyster, not this country. You know? Yes. And you don't and then you don't really know if your success is just because you are a big fish in a small pond. So you need to find that out for yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. And so you take the steps to do that. And that's when I decided to, you know, move to the UK and start working on my script writing and start seeing if I could, you know, build something up for me here in, in this in, in this country. Mm. And um, of course, it's much more difficult because then you're just a number, you know, then you're really a small fish in a big pond and it's about growing and growing and growing. In an ocean. <laughs> yeah. There you go. And um, and that you know, of course, people did not take likely to that. People don't like in the Arab society, people don't like people who are different to them because they don't understand them and they can't accept them. And it's going to affect the whole, the whole kind of, like I said, you know, the family establishment society, um, what their viewpoint is of you, et cetera, et cetera. And they will judge you. And, um, so whenever you move outside the norm, you're always going to get some pushback. Mm. Um, and that's what happened to me. But did their opinion change um, afterwards? Because, you know, they might have in mind that filmmaking is maybe porn or, um, mm. you know, uh, a lot of affairs and all the, all the things that they have, like this negative connotations about it. But then your films are a voice for social change in the Arab world and they've altered perceptions and created awareness by even changing legis uh, legislative laws in the UAE. So did they start responding to you differently then? Because I've, I've found that, that when people dare to just do what they believe in and they become known for it or they become respected for it, suddenly all their family in the Arab world start being proud of them and, and see it differently. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent agree with that because I remember, you know, when I first made my, my first short Hafi Marathi, it's a documentary about what it's like for Emirati men or women who marry foreigners, because of course that wasn't smiled upon when the country was established in 1971. And um, my father was one of them because my mother is Syrian. Uh, to the point where when he came back to the UAE, they were like, well, you're going to have to divorce her now. And he's like, no, 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 I'm okay. <laughs> um, because it just, you know, you have to marry people within your country. You have to grow the population and so on and so forth. And uh, I made the film and 
you know, everyone was sort of scared. No, you can't do this. You can't, you can't make a film about that. No, it's, you know, I got, I got all sorts of threats. I got all sorts of, you know, backlash from even the government. Um, and then I was like, no, I need to make this film because it's important to me, my identity, my voice as a filmmaker, my need for expression. And I made it. And I remember they were talking about it on an Arab radio station. And one of my dad's friends heard the interview and, um, you know, and how well it was doing at Debay Film Festival. It was the most watched film. It, um, it led to many sort of journalists coming out and speaking about this thing and more people were telling their stories. And it, it now has become so, it's almost celebrated, which is amazing. You know, when I, when I go back to the UAE, there are groups for Hafi Maratis and, you know, it's an amazing and awesome thing to be Hafi Marathi. And, and I know that I was part of that change. And when my dad's friend heard that uh, thing on the radio and he came and he kind of spoke to my dad, it was only then that my dad was like, well, you know, uh, so, so, so good job on this, uh, on this film. I was mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, yeah, thanks, thanks. And he was like, yeah, I, I think it's, uh, it's done pretty good for, for society. And I was like, oh, okay, well, thanks. You know, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad I have your blessing now. But at mm-hmm. the same time, you do get into that dangerous ground where it's like, if you've done something and that's fit their, their idea of what is okay, and you decide you want to do something different, and it's no longer okay, um, you're again, you're consistently trying to please them. And it's like, no, I'm going to live for myself. I'm not going to live for anybody else. Yes. Um, but eventually, it's like, it's like every story, you know, you go into the career you want, you do the thing you want, you, you, you choose yourself, and they finally get over it. You know, you marry the person you want, they finally get over it, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's like, but why the drama? You know, why the drama? I wish we could just cut the drama out. Yeah. And, and you did do um, another beautiful documentary about autism, and you did a beautiful film called Under the Hat. And there's a real gentleness in your, in your films and a real message. And then suddenly in the sci-fi film challenge, you do a completely different film called Vanish and Smoke, which I absolutely loved, which shows that, yes, you, you can do something else. And it doesn't always have... Well, actually, even, even Vanish and Smoke has a very important message. Um, and I know that your upcoming film is going to be a horror. So it, it is like you're stepping out of now um, the, the sort of genre that would satisfy them um, into exploring different areas as well for yourself. But how did you feel doing those films that have made such a change in society? What made you want to do a film about autism, for instance? So like Hafi Marathi it comes from something you've experienced. But what about the film about autism? So at the seat of all my work, I think, uh, no, I think, I know that at the seat of all my work is the theme of social injustice. Mm. Because me as a person, I do not like and stand for social injustices. I don't like to see people marginalized. I don't like to see people disrespected. I don't like to see people on the fringes of society who are not appreciated or celebrated or respected in some kind of way. In fact, I might go so far as to say that, you know, I almost become an activist when it comes to these things, you know, and I want to stand against it. So, you know, if you were a lawyer, you would do that in your job. If you were a doctor, you might do that. Well, I'm a filmmaker. So I use my voice and my expression and my stories to to bring that to light and to allow people to see things from a different perspective. 
So for example, with Hafi Marathi, it was like, this is the way Hafi Marathis are being treated. What do you think? You know, um, with the brain that sings, it's like people who have autistic children um, and the sort of Arab uh, stigma that's associated with having a special needs child or anybody, any child outside the sort of norm we need to address that. Listen, this is what's happening. These are the issues that they're having. This is where the strength of the families come in. And I made that all in a film and I put it on the screen and people sat there for you know an hour, two hours in the dark and listened to it and watched it and took that message in and, and came out and did something. Like you said, I mean, legislation was changed. There was a father's group for autistic kids that came out of that. There were more discussions surrounding that. So that's exactly what happens. But that's not, I mean, when it's documentary, it's easier because you're looking at real lives and real people. When you move into the fictional realm, that's when people are like, oh, well, mm. you know, is this real? Is this not? But you have the same seed there. So, for example, with um, Under the Hat, you know, it's about a mosque then who loses his voice. Sorry, a mosque prayer. It's about a mosque prayer caller who loses his voice and um, a rock star who... Um, basically in essence takes his place you know and it's about the understanding yeah. of two people coming together and seeing each other's perspective what's lovely is that he lives next door and and before he saw it as a disturbance and something negative it turns out to be the best thing for him that saves him exactly so it's just this whole thing about respecting and opening your mind and your heart to somebody else who you think you know and you might judge but actually mm. they could be somebody else altogether you know um, yeah. And it's the same with, you know, Vanish and Smoke. Vanish and Smoke addresses sort of, you know, pedophilia and, and, and abuse and child abuse. And, you know, I used sort of the social science fictional theme, almost like Black Mirror. People say it's very Black Mirror-esque mm. um, to, to bring those themes out. And then actually this year, I also participated in a 48-hour film competition with a film called The Protocol, um, which made it to the top 10. So very happy about that. And Congratulations. Thank you very much. I think I'll be releasing that on my uh, Instagram and, and on YouTube um, mm -hmm. for any of your listeners who want to watch. Um, but uh, again, also sci-fi theme. Again, there's a, there's a message there about social injustice and injustices. And I think that will always be the theme of my work because at the end of the day, like as a filmmaker, you know, you find your voice. You, you, I, I'm actually on a, a you know, on a, on a journey to become an auteur. And, I, and I'm, that's really what I would like to be known for, you know, a filmmaker who, who writes and directs their own material or directs their own material to the point where, you know, their voice is so distinct within the cinema that you know that that's a film. So for example, um, Quentin Tarantino, you know, you, you watch Quentin Tarantino film, you know, it's Tarantino. I was watching a, a film, I can't even remember the names, like Iron Fist or something like that, completely different director. And the dialogue, for him, it's the dialogue, right? The dialogue was so distinct. I was like, man, this is so much like Tarantino, you know? And lo and behold, we get to the end of the film and actually mm. the scriptwriter was Tarantino, you know? So without even knowing, you can you can feel it and you know it, you know? Mm. Um, Kubrick was an auteur. Um, uh, Scorsese is, is an auteur, you know, you have a lot of distinct sort of voices in cinema where you recognize that. And, and I want, 
I want to be, you know, that's the way I want to change the world. You know, you, you as a kid have that dream of like, oh, I want to grow up and change the world. Well, I still have that. And I hope that through my cinema, those themes are there. It gets people thinking. It gets people thinking outside the box a little bit and, um, and, and looking at a different perspective mm. in a different way. And that's what will happen, hopefully, with the horror film. Great. Yeah. And that's how we got to know each other was through talking about this upcoming horror film that hopefully I will be absolutely okay I'm really looking forward to um working with you and seeing how you are as a director you know as as am I as am I I mean so a friend of mine told me about you and I had a look-see and I watched some of your sort of clips uh, look-see some of your clips and your reels and I was like oh I want her that's what I want that's what I want I mean your talent is amazing and and of course you know as a as a director um you get a lot of reels you you when you're casting you look through a lot of material if that character does not resonate with what you have in your head and the way you see it you know then mm. then unfortunately even if you're a brilliant actor or actress it just doesn't fit the vision you know so there's nothing you can you can do about that so there is an element of luck there is a an element of talent so you have to have both obviously but as a director obviously you know it's my job to bring out the best in the character uh, and and the actor and to you know take care of sort of the actor on set and the and their delivery and their performance and all this kind of stuff so that it suits the vision um but at the end of the day if, if you don't have that then it's very difficult so for the actors listening out there you know don't be hard on yourself the thespians our fellow thespian friends um yes it's and you were one in the past. well you know in in my in my young sort of transition you know that That's that cool. was my compromise right yeah. it was it was sort of well i can't be behind the screen so what's what sorry i can't be in front of the screen so what is the next best thing i'll be behind the screen you know um if you had a choice to be in front or behind now which one would it be I like my position behind now, but I still love in front, you know, I still love in front because there mm. is such a craft that comes with that. And I love the exploration and the play and the development and, um, oh, it's such a wonderful thing, you know, but just being part of the film making family, being on set, being in that experience and in that time, that just gives me such, such joy. And when it's all over, I go into such a depression. I'm like, ah, you know, mm. and, and you just missed it. It is a, a bit like a drug. There's, you know, an upper and a downer. Isn't Absolutely. And there's this sense of community and togetherness that you get during um, working on something with the whole team that you wouldn't really get in a normal sort of nine to five job. That's very, very special, very intense. It is. It's very deep. You know, you, you, I mean, you say things, you do things, you go through things that, you know you wouldn't ordinarily go through and and they say obviously that growth comes from trauma usually i mean not usually growth can come from yourself mm. but it's only when you're faced with with some kind of trauma or or problem and challenge, challenge exactly that mm. that lets you flex your soul muscles right so you grow as an, an individual and there's no mm. better place to do that than on a film set because anything that can go wrong usually does go wrong goes wrong You yeah, know. yeah, but I think that writing and directing um, feels more like you're able to use your voice and change the world um, more than being an actress. 
because as an actress, you're sort of doing what is asked of you. You can put a little bit of yourself in there, of course, but um, you have to keep to pretty much what's being asked of you. And you're not always given that opportunity to have some really meaty roles that are going to change the way people think or feel. Um, and so as an actress myself, I've kind of gone down the, the the path of writing and producing for myself so that I am able to have a voice. But I think you being behind the camera gives you more power, more ability to do that. Do you feel that or not necessarily? I mean, not no, not really, because it just depends on the kind of filmmaker you are. You know, I'm very I'm very open to collaboration I know that some directors are like this is the way it's done and that's how you're going to do it and that's that and I I agree to the fact that obviously you know I'm the director and this is my vision and it has to fix fit that but of course yes you you do give the actors and actresses um, flexibility in the way they need to express themselves or the way and you know you never know because that's where the magic comes out on set mm. having said that an actor's role is not limited because they're in front of the camera. They're the face that people know and they see. So actually their power doesn't lie just in their career or being in front of the camera. It lies outside the peripheral space. See what I mean? Mm. Um, so it's like, you know, just take anyone. Um, I don't know. I just Kate Winslet. And this is the first kind of thing that came to my head. So people know Kate Winslet, they know her work, they know her flexibility, they know the characters she's played, they respect her, she's renowned, she has, once she's reached and attained that level, there's so much more she can do, you know, a lot of charitable work, a, a lot of projects, if she wanted to be an entrepreneur and go into it, she could, because her face and voice and likeness being in front of the camera has allowed her to do that. You know, yeah. it's it's given her the voice, it's given, which nobody else has that your regular Joe on the street will not have. So she still does have a voice. It's just a voice in a different way. I think it depends what sort of movies you've been in as well. I mean, if you've been in high school, musical one, two and three and then. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, even then, I think you can. You even can, then, make you know, an this is. A yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the beauty of yes. cinema because, you know, some kid is watching that and some kid, yeah. you know, ends up going into dancing or singing or whatever. So that's, that's the amazing thing. I mean, you know, it, it changes you in, in, in ways you don't know, yeah. you don't expect. Yeah. Well, it was wonderful talking to you, Amal, and I'm, I'm really excited um, for all your upcoming films and being part of um, the next one that could change, change the world step by step. And <laughs> and um, how can people, I mean, what what is nice is a lot of your films we can watch and, and documentaries on YouTube, they're accessible, everyone can see them at any time. Um, mm -hmm. Where would you suggest that they um, see your work on Instagram or on YouTube? And the links will be available in the notes as well on the episode. Oh, thanks so much. Well, you know, the best place to go, I think, would probably be my Instagram because I've got everything on there you know I've got the the short films and sort of the behind the scenes and things that people can engage with um and see and then obviously the YouTube there's my website um mlalagruby.com and um yeah and just uh, play around there and see see what's coming up but usually actually Instagram is probably the first place I I update Great. Thank you so much. And I congratulate you on being such a strong woman to to follow your dreams and do what you believe in, 
because you just being that shining brightly is going to inspire other people to feel that they can do the same. Thank you, Ahmed. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Breaking Free, please share it with your friends or on your social media platforms. And of course, I'd really love it if you can subscribe, rate or review the show. You can reach me directly at raniakurdi.com if you would like to ask a question, comment on what you heard today or find out how I can support you on your journey.